Welcome to the porch here on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, examining the Word of God, with a specific focus on the Book of Acts Church. Porch Online Bible Study was created to take a deeper look at how the early church served the Lord, and in doing so, believed that we could restore the priesthood of the believer and regain the world-shaking influence the early church had. We do that by digging deeper into Scripture. We don't filter it down. We don't water it down. We don't change it. We let the Word speak. And I believe that in doing so, we will find the church that the Lord intended, not the one that man created. And boy, do we ever need the one that the Lord intended. Church age is still in effect. The day of Pentecost is ongoing. The fire still falls. The porch is an outreach of Solomon's Porch, Inc. On solomonsporch.org if you want to contact us there, or you can go to firefalltalkradio.com. Contact us, ways to support us. Thank you to everyone who does. Make sure you bookmark the Spreaker account here on Spreaker.com. We are still ongoing with Spreaker and the Blog Talk accounts. We're also streaming on iTunes, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. We are 11 weeks away from the meeting in Orlando, Saturday, July 27th. If you want to come in on Friday, stay overnight, stay through the weekend. We have a great rate. If you go to any of the travel sites and you put in Saturday, July 27, at the Rosen Inn, Point Orlando, 9000 International Drive, Orlando, Florida, you will find rates that will be two to even three times what this rate is that we're getting. We're getting it for $79 a night plus tax. You're right in the middle of the tourist area, hotels. Uh, there are other hotels, there are restaurants, there are uh, resort activities, Universal. You have a free shuttle to Universal. There's a uh, putt-putt golf right up the road. There's a lot to do, except you're going to spend Saturday with me at the Sea Conference. So let us know you're coming now. Call up the Rosen Inn Point Orlando, 800-999-8585. Tell them you are attending the Sea Conference using the booking ID of 68136. The cutoff date for that rate is July 5th. So if you think you might be coming, book the room now. You can cancel it if, you, if you're not coming. They'll tell you what the uh, cancellation date is before you get booked. But get the rate locked in now. If you want to let us know you're coming, go to firefallmediagroup.com. Let us know or go to facebook.com forward slash Firefall Media Group and just tell us, hey, I'm going to be there. Save me a seat. We're praying that everyone who's supposed to be there attends. We're also seeking sponsorship. We have a couple of people, a couple of families that need to be there, that want to be there, that need some help. So if you can help, go to firefalltalkradio.com and just use the donation button at the bottom of the page, and, and mark it for sponsorship for the Sea Conference. If you're following in the news, something else to pray about. The U.S. Embassy in Iraq has been ordered by the State Department that all non-essential, non-emergency government staff are to leave the country immediately because of the escalating tensions with Iran. Many believe that Iran is trying to trigger a war with the U.S. and with Israel, the leadership there is failing. The economy is failing. The people want somebody to come rescue them. And the only way that Iran can stop that is with a war being backed by Russia. Do I believe this is going to happen? I believe it could happen. I believe all the signs are there. We just need to pray that if it's not God's will, that it doesn't happen. But if it fulfills prophecy, let it go. I want to praise the Lord that we're living in these great times, and I'm saved, redeemed, bought with the price. I'm able to see these things, and I know where I will spend my eternity. I am thankful, and I praise Him for my home, for my wife, for our sons and daughter-in-laws and our grandsons, our furry kids, and everything that He has given us. We praise Him for that every day. 
I praise him for you. I praise him for this ministry. I praise him for doing the porch here all these years. It keeps me stirred up. It keeps my fire burning. And I'm blessed to be able to minister to you. I'm praising him for this upcoming event to finally share what he has shown me here in Central Florida in my hometown. So I praise him for that. And I praise him that he's giving us the signs like this thing in the Middle East that we need to pay attention to that he's getting ready to come back. So get excited. Get ready. Get prepared. And praise him for the favor that we have knowing that a thousand may fall at our side and ten thousand at our right hand, but it will not come near us. And so I pray. I pray for our brothers and sisters in the Middle East, Israel, the peace of Jerusalem. I pray for the persecuted church out there, all that are being martyred and slaughtered and, and suffer for their faith in the Lord Yeshua. Pray for the fatherless and the widows, the innocents, the victims of injustice, for the slaughter of the innocents in the womb. I see some states are taking a stand. And I will tell you this, America cannot be redeemed. It cannot be blessed as long as we kill babies the way we do every day, as long as we live outside of his will and against his rules and his laws. There are biblical precedents for how he deals with nations that don't obey his laws. So I'm praying that this change we're seeing would take hold. I'm praying for all of us to have divine wholeness, health, and healing. Let's get back to our divine design. There is so much to do. And being sick and injured and tired and worn out is not going to get it done. Let's pray for that. Let's pray to return to our divine design that our cells do what they're supposed to do, to be healed right now, whatever you're dealing with. Right now I'm dealing with the sinus infection. We've had a lot of rain and all that stuff. And, of course, I have chronic sinusitis. But you know what? I'm tired of that. I'm tired of my body doing what it's always done before because it's been programmed that way since I was born. I am looking forward to the day that I have a redeemed body. But you know what? Right here, right now, in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, I am believing for healing and renewal and strengthening and the quickening in our mortal bodies, that we can rise up, that we can answer the call to action, that we can run and not grow weary, walk and not faint, that this remnant that is waking up, that I am believing will show up on that Saturday in Orlando to get empowered, to go do what we've been called to do, and that we can bless others, we can lead people to the Lord. If you've been blessed financially, then be a blessing. We need your help. Firefall needs your help. SRT needs your help. And that we would prosper in accordance with his word, that we would do what he's asked us to do to further the kingdom of God. Continue to pray for my wife's healing and restoration. Um, Larry's wife, Sally, in North Florida, she had a knee replacement surgery, and uh, it's been a struggle. A lot of swelling, a lot of pain. She needs healing and relief, so please keep uh, Larry's wife, in your prayers. Stacy in Texas has given us an unspoken prayer request. If you don't know what that means, it either means they can't or are unable to put into words or put out exactly what's going on. But the Holy Spirit knows. So just pray for them in that regard. Pray for Stacy and her family. So there's a lot going on, but she's thankful for her brothers and sisters in the Lord right now. Kim in Fort Mitchell is always grateful, and she's always inspiring, by the way. She's grateful for waking up sober today and for knowing who to thank for that. She's thankful for peace and quietness in her home. Praise him for healing her of things over the last three months. She's grateful to feel free today in realizing that it's an everyday choice to decide if we participate in the lies the enemy tells us. Says today I'm not held hostage by the enemy, and this is a great feeling. I know who saved my soul, I know who I was, and I know who I am now, and I will be ever, forever grateful for that. Says I'm praying for my mother's soul and for everyone out there who needs a savior. I know I did. I'll never forget how dark it gets before it gets better. Father, show people the truth. Save souls. Deliver our children. Deliver me. Flip every rock. Father, reveal every lie that's been created by the enemy. Break every generational curse in each family represented here. 
protect our children, our pets, and our possessions, and provide for us, bless us, and favor us in Jesus' name. Well, Father, we love you. You are an awesome God. You're an awesome dad. You are Abba Father, but you're also God Most High, El Elyon, the creator of the universe, and there is none like you. And we thank you for that. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for creating us. We thank you for being our dad. So right now we just come to you. We boldly approach the throne of grace and mercy. And we just want to love on you and we want to be loved on by you. We need to feel your touch. We need to feel your love. We need your grace and your mercy in our lives. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for what you endured. We thank you for shedding your blood for our sins. But we are so, so thankful that you are alive and that you have risen to sit at the right hand of the Father in fullness and power, and you've allowed us to sit with you in the heavenly places. We thank you for sending back the Holy Spirit, your Ruach HaKodesh, to walk with us, to guard us, to guide us, to point out those areas in our life that need healing, that gentle, soft, loving touch of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, work in us tonight. Have your way. Let the will of God be done in these words and in this teaching. And we just thank you and we praise you and we love you in Yeshua's name. And if you agree with me, just say, Amen. These lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. So we spent 24 weeks learning how to walk in the Spirit. So here we are. We got through it all. We got through the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. We learned how to do it. So now what? Well, before we get to the what, there's something else I want to share with you. And as I review some things to tie it together to get to the rest of this, let's just call it what it is. The Holy Spirit that's been put into his church in this world creates conflict. That's what it does. It is in conflict with the world. It is in conflict with our flesh. It is in conflict with religious ritual and everything that is not of him. And boy, is there a lot. And once we understand that there is one body and one spirit that we've been called into for one glorious hope for the future, and that there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all, and in all, and living through all. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Messiah. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led captivity captivity captive, the crowds captive, and gave gifts to men. Well, we know those were the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He triumphed over Hasatan, over Satan, over the adversary, and over his fallen angelic brothers and the demons that were created by the fallen watchers on Mount Hermon. And then he gave to us gifts that we are called to be faithful stewards of on earth. And in doing so, we'll determine our position in his service during the Messianic reign. You know, when Paul said to the believers in Acts 19.2, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, we have not as much heard that whether there is a Holy Spirit. Did you notice that the first thing he said to them, knowing that they believed in Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, The most important thing to him was he wanted to know, did they have the infilling of the Holy Spirit? 
It was the first thing he checked. I don't remember too many places that I've been around that that was the first thing they wanted to know. We need the fire and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not talking about the extremes, and I'm not talking about all the things that have made us um, a laughing stock. I'm talking about the fruit and the gifts of the Spirit evident in our lives for the purpose of furthering the kingdom of God. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5, starting with verse 14. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursues what is good both for yourselves and for all. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God and Messiah Yeshua for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast to what is good and abstain from every form of evil. What a pattern that is right there from verses 14 through 22 in 1 Thessalonians 5. To quench the spirit means to resist his influence like trying to smother a fire. Because that's what the Holy Spirit is. He's a fire. He fires things up. He heals things. He hardens things. There's so many different things that fire can do. That that's his purpose. And the majority of the people I have come across over the years in religious settings will go out of their way to smother that fire. Oh, they don't want you coming in there and firing up the people that they put to sleep. They don't want you coming in there and causing conviction and chaos and people needing deliverance or healing. They don't don't want that. They want the status quo. They want it to be the same week to week. They don't want to have to earn their paycheck. And I know that's a blanket statement. There's a small percentage that do. But the majority of the traditional churches, the ones filled to the rafters with people, They want it just the way it is. But that wasn't his intention. Even John the Baptist, when he said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. Are you baptized with Holy Spirit and fire? Is it a hot fire? Is it a high fire? It's a little fire. Is it flickering? Is it going out? Do you just have it to the right level that you can see it, but it doesn't cause any problems? When I first got saved, I told people I was radically saved, and of course that was kind of based on a Carmen song. And um, But what it meant was I was radically changed. I was radically different. I had a fire in my bones, like Jeremiah talks about in 20 verse 9. It's His word was in my heart like a fire shut up in my bones, and I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. And, of course, I I got a little unruly, and I think I know that I did things I shouldn't have done, and I have repented of. But once that fire got into me, once I knew that I'd been saved, once I knew that I'd been healed and delivered, once I knew the truth about who I was and who I am at that moment and I am now— I was jacked up, I was fired up, I was ready to go do what the Lord wanted me to do, no matter where it was or who it was. And I may be a little older now, and I may be a little slower, but the fact is I'm just as fired up. Because it's based on love, it's based on spending time in His presence, it's based on feeding the flame. But one of the fundamental things that if we're going to walk with God, is that we can never say no to the Spirit of God. And that's what Paul was trying to get the church to understand, that you need to be sold out to him, and you need to be sanctified, set apart in every aspect of your life, spirit, soul, and body. 
You can't hold anything back for you. I mean, too many believers today, some people I know rather well, who have held back part of their life. They have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of God, and you're going to lose that foot in the world. The enemy's going to grab it. He's going to try to do something to it. And it makes you dangerous to yourself and to others around you. I call for you today to choose whom you will serve. If it's the world, then go serve the world. But don't complain about what happens to you. But if you say, I serve the Lord, then do it with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. Strengthen everything that is within you. I'm not telling you to give up your job. I'm not telling you to give up those things. But I'm telling you to sell out to the will of God in your life. Because we need to be blameless at his coming and at his appearance. And we've got so much we have to do. And we can't do it if we're conflicted. We need to be set apart to God. We need to understand that this is a war of the Spirit. It's a war in the Spirit. And being blameless doesn't mean that you're sinless, but it means that you are free from reproach or regret. We all mess up. We all do things we don't want to do. Our flesh is still a lot more alive than we would like it to be. But if we repent and put it under the blood... Then he forgets it and we can move on. But in the midst of all this, if we are in a war of the Spirit, in a fallen world that's ruled by Hasatan and the fallen, this is not our home. Even though we have diplomatic immunity, as long as we stay within the walls of the kingdom of God, and I mean the walls of a building, I mean within the walls of his kingdom, there's certain things that we have to do. We should not believe every spirit, every person that says that they are of the Lord, but we should test every spirit to see whether they're of God. Many false prophets have gone out in the world, and they're out there now. And by this we know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus the Messiah has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess, confess, confess that Jesus the Messiah has come in the flesh, is not of God. Folks, there are people in the church, the church, right now, that question the virgin birth, that question the resurrection, that question whether he actually was the Son of God. I question whether they're believers. You you can't you can't live the ways of the world. You can't be in agreement with the world and say, oh, yes, I'm a Christian, but I think abortion's okay. I think sexual sin's okay. I think those are rules for them, but they're not for now. I'm a progressive Christian. No, what you are is an unbeliever. Let me just call it like it is. And that statement in 1 John 4, which I read, says, and this is the spirit of the Antichrist. Everything that I read to you in First John 4 about believing and testing the spirits, he says, the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and is now already in the world. The spirit of the Antichrist is all things against Messiah. Therefore, it's against his Holy Spirit. The spirit of the Antichrist works in the world to inspire the battle between the flesh and the spirit. When you see someone who thinks that they're born again, but what they say and do says otherwise, then they are being influenced by the spirit that is against Messiah, the Antichrist spirit. Paul covers this so many times in so many different ways. Galatians 5.16, But I say, walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit. Be responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit. Then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and desires of the flesh, the human nature without God. For the desires of the flesh are opposed or war against the Holy Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are opposed to or war against the flesh, the godless human nature. For these are antagonistic to each other, continually withstanding and in conflict with each other, so that you're not free 
but are prevented from doing what you desire to do. 1 Peter 2.11 Beloved, I implore you as aliens and strangers and exiles in this world to abstain from the sensual urges, the evil desires, the passions of the flesh, your lower nature that wage war against the soul. This war of the Spirit is active on every front, both natural and supernatural. One of the things I want to get across on that Saturday, July 27th, here in Orlando at the Sea Conference, is to get you to understand from the creation to your creation, starting with Adam to where we are now, there was a divine design that prepared for this moment in history. There were phases of our transformation that were supposed to take place so that we would be ready for this moment in time that are not happening. They've never been taught. They've not been received. They've not been understood. Folks, it's coming. Prophecy is being fulfilled. Eventually, at some point in the near future, the gates of the pit will be opened. Thankfully, I do not believe the church will be here when that happens. But what's coming out of that pit is worse than any horror film you could imagine. What we're seeing on the earth right now in the, in the debauchery and in the murder and the, just the horrible things that every day when I set about to pray and I look at, I just, first I shake my head and I, I can't believe this, but then I, I can believe this. The days of Noah were ugly. They were sinful. They were sickening. They were satanic. We're living in the onset of those moments right now. And the Holy Spirit is here in us, through us, to inspire conviction, to inspire worship, to inspire encouragement, edification, and action. Let's get off of our spiritual seat cushions and do something. Get down on your knees and pray. If you, if you can't get out of your house or you have family, you have babies, well, then pray. Stop whining. Stop, stop crying. Stop looking at the Internet or television. or all. Pray. You have a free moment, intercede. Remember one of the people that asked for prayer. Ask the Lord, who do you want me to pray for? And they'll bring people to your remembrance. We are in a war. And those of us that fight this war 24-7, I am going to be honest. We're tired. We're weary. But it doesn't matter. We keep going. We get renewed. We get restored. We get reinvigorated. Turn on some praise and worship music. Get under the prayer drill. Whatever it takes to get fired up and get the fire going hotter. See, that's why he sent the Holy Spirit. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. I'll pray the Father, and he'll give you another helper. He will abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Hey, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Lord says, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet, because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So why are we trying to get along with the world? Why are we trying to assimilate? Why are we trying to become like the world? Oh, we're seeker-friendly, brother. No, you're not. You, you, you may be seeker-friendly, but you're not salvation-friendly. Lord goes on, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin. Because they do not believe in me of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. 
He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things the Father has are mine, therefore he will take of mine and declare it to you. Because he departed to heaven, we've been called to continue his works, and he gave us the full provision of his Holy Spirit to do it. The Holy Spirit in us is called to take his place and to convince the world of their sin. That's what conviction does. It will convince the world of their need for his righteousness and his impending judgment on those who refuse him. We won't see him until he returns. But until then, the Holy Spirit has empowered us, his church, to be his representative on earth. And how did he do that? He sent the promise of the Father upon first to the people in the upper room and then on every believer since then, so that we have been endued with power from on high. That promise, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what we talked about for all these weeks, is is that self-sustaining, dynamic, reproducing power, the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit, the power to do his work, to do what he did and to do greater things. That's what I'm believing, that I'll inspire you, for those that are there to listen on that Saturday in Orlando, greater things. Who knows, maybe greater things will happen in that room at that hotel on that date. Wouldn't that be great? Dear the wind of the Holy Spirit, to have the room shake that hotel, that would be great. And the enemy's goal is to interfere with everything I just said, is to interfere with the church, to bring discord and confusion and error. And so what does he do? He's got to stop the Holy Spirit. He's got to stop us wanting to use the Holy Spirit. And if we do use it, he has to stop us from using it correctly. So he first thing he did was he moved against the gifts of the Spirit. Matthew 12, starting in verse 22. Then a demon-possessed man who was blind and couldn't speak was brought to Yeshua. He healed the man so that he could both speak and see. The crowd was amazed and asked, Could it be that Yeshua is the son of David, the Messiah? But when the Pharisees heard about the miracle, they said, No wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. But Yeshua knew their thoughts and replied, Any kingdom divided against itself, divided by civil wars, doomed. A town or a family splintered by feuding will fall apart. And if Satan is casting out Satan, he is divided and fighting against himself. His own kingdom will not survive. And if I am empowered by Satan, what about your own exorcists? They cast out demons too. So they will condemn you for what you have said. But if I am casting out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. For who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man like Satan and plunder his goods? Only someone even stronger. Someone who could tie him up and then plunder his house. Anyone who isn't with me opposes me, and anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. Now here comes the big bombshell, verse 31. Every sin and blasphemy can be forgiven against blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which will never be forgiven. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven. Anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, either in this world or the world to come. That sin of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is comparing the work of the Holy Spirit to Satan, which is what the Pharisees did. Under satanic influence, they accused Yeshua of being in league with Satan. So their accusation wasn't just against him, but it was against the Holy Spirit, the power that he was using to cast out the demons. But what does that mean? If you sin against the Son of Man, it's forgivable, but not the one against the Holy Spirit? Many men have misunderstood his ministry. And while that's deplorable, while that's sad, 
it was forgivable and their eyes could be opened. But when you sin against the Holy Spirit, when you say what the Pharisees said, when you say what some of the big Bible teachers today say about those of us that move in the gifts, you have sinned against the Holy Spirit in a way that cannot be forgiven. It is saying that the power and the light and the holiness of God is the same as the darkness and the sinful nature of Satan and his angels. Because it's not merely a sin of your words and your tongue. It's a sin of the heart expressed in those words. That's what the Pharisees did. They revealed the wickedness of their hearts. And I will tell you this, I've seen the sermons in which some of these very famous men have railed against those of us that move in the gifts. And I've seen a look in their eyes and an anger in their voice that is clearly not of God. But we need to ignore that. We need to let the Lord deal with that because we're never going to build his church without the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. So it makes sense that the presence of the Holy Spirit is going to cause a war. Why are we so surprised when we get rejected? Why are we so surprised when we get attacked by the enemy? I used to be like a lot of people. It was a badge of honor when the enemy attacked me, and I realize now that was no badge of honor. The enemy was doing what the enemy does. I was doing the work of the Lord. The enemy was trying to stop me because they were doing the work of the kingdom of darkness, the God of this world. Bad dogs do what bad bad dogs do. They bite. It's a part of the war. Let's go back to what the Lord said in John 15, starting verse 18. I want you to listen to this, and I know this is a much more serious message, but we're not going to get to where we need to go unless we get serious. We put aside all the excuses, and we stop playing religious games, and we sell out to the Lord. He said, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. When I see supposedly famous preachers and teachers hanging out with celebrities and going on the talk shows and being accepted and going to the parties and hanging out with people that they should be witnessing to, but nobody ever gets changed, I know that they have a problem because the world has accepted them. And the world loves them, which means the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is not present. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him, meaning his Father, who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now that they have seen and also hated both me and my father, but this happened that the word might be fulfilled which is written in their law, they hated me without cause. Now, I'm not saying that everywhere you go, you're going to cause problems. Actually, if somebody really wants help, you're going to inspire them to want to seek you out. Maybe they have to pull you aside privately. Maybe they have to find another time to meet with you. But understand, the enemy doesn't like that. The enemy doesn't want that. And the disciples, which we're all called to be, are called to be like the Master in every respect, both in showing love and obedience and in experiencing the antagonism of those who oppose their message. You know, even though Thomas, doubting Thomas, who wouldn't believe unless he could put his finger in the wounds, 
when the Lord said he was going to go heal Lazarus, and they said, Lord, don't go. They're waiting for you there. John 11, 16, Thomas said to the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. I don't want to die. But if you put me in a position where I have to choose to save my life, which serve the Lord, I will put my trust in him. That if it's not my time, he'll protect me. He'll get me out of there. He'll send angels. He'll empower me like Samson or whatever. But if it is my time, then it's my time. But I will not deny him. I will not deny the calling. And I'll stand toe-to-toe with anything the enemy sends my way. See, we are the bearers of the light of the Lord. Are you, are you a light bearer? Are you a torch bearer? Is the light within you? Well, get ready for the fact that darkness is opposed to light. It just is. Now, we know darkness has no power in and of itself. It is the absence of life. Light, so the only way it can function is to put the light out, make the light go away. We are in a conflict with the kingdom of darkness. It is a war of the Spirit. Now, the Spirit we fight with is a capital S, the Holy Spirit. But the enemy has a spirit, the spirit of the Antichrist. It's empowered by the fallen angels, collectively and individually. But we have to go. We have to do it. We have to shine. And this is the confidence that we have. It's in John 1, 1 through 5. We read it every week during Shabbat. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things that were created through Him, everything that was made that was made, it was made through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought life to the world, light to the world. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. So what we're saying is, what we're living, what we're doing, is we're living the fact that he is the light of the world. Whoever follows him shall not walk in darkness, but have what? The light of life. The light of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, is at war with the kingdom of darkness. But this light that we carry inside of us is the same power that raised Yeshua from the grave. It's the same power he used to speak everything into existence. So why are we so hesitant to do what we need to do? What are we afraid of? The world is dying. Second by second, tick, 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 until it reaches the final talk. What are we waiting for? The very one who spoke everything into existence and by his verbal decree banished Hasatan and his angels from heaven, as well as those that were put into the pit that broke his laws and his rules on Mount Hermon. He is their ultimate enemy. And if we serve him and walk with him and walk in his light and his kingdom, then we are their ultimate enemy too. And that's why the church was empowered by the Holy Spirit to be their enemy as well. I don't know how much I can belabor the fact that we were not called to get along with this world. What does it say in John 3, verse 19? This is the condemnation that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. 
when he came, he brought judgment to the world, that the ruler of this world, Hasatan, had been judged. He had been cast out first from heaven, then down to the earth, and then down into the earth in the pit. That's coming. I booked my front row seat. He said, if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all peoples to myself. He was lifted up on the cross. He was drawing people from them and letting us know that this is how he was going to die, but it was also letting us know how he was going to win. The time for judging is not only about judgment day. It was about the day that light penetrated the darkness and exposed it all. Satan, the ruler of this world, the architect of that darkness, the corrupter of the world, the promoter of death, his fallen angels, their demonic offspring, they've all been exposed. Do you believe that? Do you believe, no matter how strong he is, no matter how old he is, no matter what he's done, how many kingdoms he's destroyed or raised up, that he lost. He's fighting a losing battle. There is no upside for him. You know, Matthew 16, the Lord made a, a statement that has become controversial. Some entire churches and denominations have built off a misteaching of the scripture where he says, I tell you that you are Peter, which in the Greek is Petros, a large piece of rock, and on this rock, Petra, a huge rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, the gates of the underworld, shall not overpower it or be too strong to hold out against it. I don't see anything peaceful in that comment. He was establishing that on Peter's declaration that Yeshua was the son of the living God, the Messiah, that that was the rock of Yeshua that the church would be built on, that declaration. John the Baptist preached about the kingdom of heaven. He preached about the coming fire. And since that time, the kingdom of heaven has been advancing, forcefully advancing. And violent people are attacking it. Well, we know who those violent people are. They're both natural and supernatural. See, John the Baptist, I realized this today. This was my note. John the Baptist was the sign. When he began to preach out there in the wilderness, when he began to rail against the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, when he began to rail against the the uh, the kings and and all the people and exposing their sins and talking about the coming Messiah and how he was going to baptize with fire, that was the sign that a spiritual war was about to begin. That was the warning sign. That was the declaration. He's coming. He's coming. We should be doing that today. We should be the John the Baptist of today. Hey, he's coming. Get right, get ready, prepare. Because by one spirit, we've all been baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, which is Gentiles, whether slaves or frees. We've been all made to drink into one spirit, that dunamis energy drink of the Holy Spirit. You know, some people need to have that energy drink to get their day started or to do their workout. Well, the Holy Spirit is our energy drink, that dunamis explosive power that energizes the church against the kingdom of darkness, that energizes us to intercede for our brothers and sisters, that energizes us to kick at the gates knowing that Satan has stolen your loved ones, your family, somebody you care about, somebody who's asked you for prayer. No, no, no. We must say no more. And we must keep praying, and we must keep pounding on that door until it splinters inward. 
You know, I say to you that SRT are the sheepdogs of the great shepherd. He sends us to rescue the lambs, and he sends us after the wolves. He sends us to protect the pen. Folks, I'm not joking. I mean it when I say it. We're not here to play nice. We're not here to be buddies with the spirits. You know, like these paranormal teams. Well, well, I'm not here to hurt you. Bo, if you're here, you don't belong here. You need to go back to where you belong. You need to go into the outer darkness to await the judgment of the Father. You don't belong here. If you're a fallen angel or a demonic spirit, boy, are you in trouble. We should not be here to play nice. The only people we should play nice with are the people in bondage, the people that don't know any better, the people that have had their lives, their minds, their souls stolen from them by some misguided decision. What is it going to take for us to stop worrying about all the things of this world? Big houses or cars or money. When when are we going to get focused on the job at hand? This is a war to build an eternal kingdom. A war that was won on Calvary. And the Lord left an occupying army, the church, to enforce his rule. And Satan and his kingdom, they're like terrorists who refuse to submit. So we need to make them submit. We need to make them shut up. We need to make them get out. And although his final demise lies in the future, the work of Messiah and the work of the church has already unraveled his domain, has already cracked the foundation of his kingdom. Messiah is enthroned as King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the ruler of heaven and earth, raised from the dead, exalted to the right hand of the God of all creation, his Father. He's been given all authority in heaven and earth. Everything natural and supernatural is under his rule. He is designated as the name above all names, the only name that offers salvation. And he is the established head of the church that rules and reigns in his place. Well, I don't know about you, but that says the game is rigged for us. Why are we losing a game that was rigged for us to win? Because the enemy has convinced us and convinced people through false teachings, through lies and deceit, to put down their weapons or to not do what we've been told to do. You know, the 70 returned with joy after he'd given them the authority to cast out demons and tell people the kingdom of God was at hand. And they said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. That power, which is exousia, the delegated authority, the right to use the dunamis of the Holy Spirit, which is used to destroy the works of the enemy, to tread upon them, which is absolute destructive mastery over them, has been given to us. And they weren't even filled with the Holy Spirit yet. We've got all this power. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now we do know that the apostles and others were hurt. They were not exempt from being hurt physically. But their eternity was guaranteed. Their soul could not be harmed. The serpents and the scorpions, all the power of the enemy, represents demonic powers. The kingdom of darkness, the demons, Satan, the fallen angels, the fallen watchers, all the spirits, everything that the enemy has, has been defeated. His kingdom is a facade. But salvation... 
Salvation is the primary focus of our relationship with him and the power to plunder Satan's kingdom and promote salvation to the lost. That's what the enemy is trying to stop. And that's why he inspires blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. That's why he inspires people to say what they do and to convince, oh, the gifts are not evident. Oh, no, the gifts are not here. They left. They're over. The church age is over. Nonsense. Pure, adulterated, satanic nonsense. They demonize the threat and work to get as many possible people to believe it. If you look at what Satan has done, it's what the Nazis always did. They demonize their threat. They convince people to believe their lie and to turn on the people they need them to turn on. Because the enemy knows that without the fullness of the Holy Spirit's presence, the manifestation of the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit, what we have is a dead church, dead body parts, a dead zombie church. In many ways, the church has become the walking dead, a form of religion but denying the power thereof. The Spirit brings life. The enemy wants death. The Spirit brings light. The enemy wants darkness. Well, folks, we have got to get to the place where we don't care what the enemy wants. We're going to bring life, and we're going to bring light, and we're going to plunder, and we're going to set the captives free. We're going to kick down gates. We're going to close portals. We're going to do whatever he's called you or me or whoever to do, and we're going to believe, and we're going to act like we're in a war of the Spirit. Because that's what we are. We are in a war of the Spirit, one that's already been won for us, one that's been rigged to our advantage. But let's go get it done. Father, I just come to you as your son. That's all I am. I'm your son. I'm your servant. I love you with all of my heart, with all my mind, soul, and spirit, everything that is in me. And I want to do what you've designed me to do. And I want your sons and daughters to do what you've designed and called them to do. So I'm asking right now that you take away the fear, you take away the lack of faith, you begin to reveal the areas of their life where the enemy has deceived them, maybe tied them up, maybe bound them up, and set them free. Holy Spirit, blow through their life and knock over their altars, knock over the things that are not of you, shatter them, shatter them to pieces, and set us free, fill us with the fire. Fill us with the wind of the Spirit. Let's go do it, Lord. We, we know you're coming back. We believe it. We say, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Yeshua. Come, Adonai. We want to see you, but we want to be ready. We want to work the harvest. We want to set the captives free. We want to do what you asked us to do and fulfill the Great Commission. So now bless us, touch us, and heal us. And I just pray this in Yeshua's name. Amen. Just say amen. When this is over, when you're done listening, whether you've been listening live or or recorded, just get before the Lord and do everything we just talked about. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grun. This has been The Porch on Firefall. Talk Radio.